to all the amazing people watching and listening to this. Welcome to Chizuba Talks, a podcast dedicated to sharing compelling stories of hope, determination, and humanity. Nelson Mandela famously said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Across the globe, educationists struggle with what must be taught and what needs to be taught, not to discount how it can be taught. Many institutes allow some freedom, but often within a framework. Many pertinent questions like, can we do away with homework, can stir a hornet's nest. Hello, I'm Paige, host at Jezuba Talks, and I hope to get some answers today from Gavin Phillips, founder of Life Learners Canada, who's on a mission to have every child entering public schools in Canada step into a safe, fun, and intrinsically rewarding world. And as he puts it, every teenager who graduates and walks out of our public schools for the last time to be life learners with life skills that are community driven. Welcome, Gavin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm going to be asking some very difficult questions today. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Ask away. <laughs> All right. So what exactly do you intend to change? All right. So what we, our goal is, is to change um, the public education system so that we have students that are graduating, as you said, um, as life learners with life skills. And what I mean by life skills is we want uh, students to have um, leadership, uh, relationship building, community living, um, healthy living, you know, a, a lot of this stuff that we we tend to have to learn as adults uh, if we want to pursue a, a higher degree of, of in our career. Um, so, if we can get, if we can change education, we can change the world because essentially the world um, is based off of our education. So, we change that, we can change the world essentially. Um, so that's kind of our goal is to create a, an environment that that will um, promote life skills, which we all require in life. I mean, we should have them. It's not taught in school. And unfortunately, we kind of either have to learn that through home life or, you know, after we graduate and get up to the real world, we got to figure it out ourselves, I guess. So we just want to nip it in the butt and be proactive and um, get that, uh, get a, get a better education out there now. Uh, all right. So would, would you say that uh, institutes don't have these life skills right now? I mean, I know I'm coming from a teaching background. I know of many, my school or my educational institute had so many programs to include uh, leadership skills, to include teamwork, to include responsibilities. Right. So the way, I mean, as far as in Canada, it's, we're a little unique because we, um, our education is run by the provinces as opposed to federally. So it's provincially run. Um, so we, you know, all across Canada, it's, it's kind of a different version of the same thing, I guess. Um, so they do have within the pedagogy and the curriculum, they do have the, the words of leadership and community building, but it's just too difficult for, for teachers to pursue that because they have to focus on standardized testing and, and, uh, you know, quizzes and all that stuff. Like the, the way education is now, it's based off of um, passing. And, you know, when your focus is on 
getting a passing grade or a score, um, what you're learning becomes irrelevant because a student is just going to focus on passing or getting a high score because that's what they're uh, striving to do. But it's very difficult to do. And for teachers to teach out of that, um, it's hard for them to do and they don't have the resources to teach individually. Um, so that's another barrier that they have to, we have to overcome, which is difficult because um, there's no funding in education, very little. Um, and the resources are slim and with COVID happening, I mean, a lot of things are changing that way and the teachers are burnt out. Um, so it's very difficult for them to have the empowerment of, of uh, promoting those kind of skills because it's just, they just can't, they don't have the time or resources to do that. And our goal is to change that. So, so they do have those uh, skills and time yeah. and resources. Right. Um, would you say that uh, the people who've put in uh, their efforts into making this curriculum or the standardized tests, there has to be some reasoning behind it? Um, this yeah. reasoning so, has to cross? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, I mean, standardized testing um, is essentially used as a marker on who's, you know, what schools are performing. It's it just become a, a performance type of uh, uh, QA, I guess. It, it's just you. So standardized testing is it's 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 a kind of a marker on which schools are doing performing better. Um, you can pair up languages with other language or you can pair up, you know, um, it's also a kind of it's almost like a especially more maybe more so in the US, but it does happen in Canada where they use that kind of uh, stats as as neighborhoods for people to move to. And, you know, it, it's it's like a low income neighborhood. You know, the stats are are going to be low. And there's a reason for that because of the community that they're living in. It just doesn't promote that type of uh, learning. So standardized tests are just are kind of irrelevant because it's just marking. Um, actually, for instance, um, my daughter, she's in she's in high school and uh, um, she's she's doing fine in a particular course, but the standardized test that she took, she failed because it just it, it happened to be not teaching to that standardized test. So the teachers are struggling to, you know, how do we teach? Do we teach to the test? Do we teach to, do you know, do you know what I mean? to teach intrinsically so that they're learning something that has value? Um, so we're looking to, to kind of remove that, take that out of there because the focus is on, when the focus is on standardized testing or just any testing whatsoever, um, it's it kills the love of learning. It changes the focus on what they're learning. The learning becomes irrelevant. I, uh, the passing becomes the focus. Absolutely yeah. yes, yes. Uh, having you know known that, uh, would wouldn't you say that teaching an individual child with his or her inherent skills is going to be a difficult task? It is not something that can be done in a classroom of say 25, 30 children in a, in a classroom. Uh, it is a difficult task. It is. And our solution, so what we have is um, we call the four principles of education. And the first one is knowledge and knowledge is the umbrella. That's what you're going to school for K to 12 to learn. And underneath that, you have your ABCs and A is action. Action is the hands-on learning, the intrinsic learning, the 
reinventing the solution, so to speak. Um, and then you have B for being, and that's um, inner reflecting, um, you know, knowing yourself, understanding yourself. Obviously, that's different from a kindergarten student to a grade 12 student, but the process is there and they grow as knowing themselves. And that creates empathy and compassion. And then lastly, you have community. And that's to answer your question. Uh, community, what we want to do is we want to turn our schools, which are becoming bigger and bigger, um, we want to turn them into communities. And so that a school that's a community, it's almost like a, the, the one room classroom of way back when. And you're suddenly when you're, when you turn it into a, a community type environment, you have the resources there and the students are out of the resources. So you can start pairing up older students with younger students that have the same learning style and some of the same interests. So that that's going to teach leadership. That's going to teach relationship building. That's going to teach community and empathy and compassion and understanding each other. So it frees up a teacher's time to focus on smaller groups or individually one-on-one -on -one, uh, because you have the resources of other students um, who are, you know, making an impact and because they have that now in school, but it's very limited to like reading buddies or something along those lines. It's, it's not utilized at all. And if we put a system in where uh, students become the resources, that just, that just creates a lot of, a lot of life skills just by doing that. I do understand that a lot of learning happens from peers. Now, uh, when we talk, would you say that the actual teaching time for the three hours, reading, writing, and arithmetic, uh, could be you know reduced to a standard um, time, and then you would have extracurricular activities or curricular activities, which are actually happening in the, or the sports field, or also happening in uh, camps or uh, informal uh, gatherings. These are the learnings that are happening informally. And there is some amount of formal teaching that needs to be done at that level. For example, if you're talking about fifth grade or sixth grade, they need to understand those terms, those concepts at that age. So standardized mm -hmm. testing, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a measure of how much they have understood? Um, not necessarily. So your basic feels that you need to learn reading, writing, uh, math. Um, it's, you're still going to be teaching that. You're just going to use a more creative way to do it. And it's more hands-on learning. And when you free up the teacher's time, um, the assessment process becomes, you know, that much more enriched because they have the opportunity to actually assess students individually one-on-one, -on -one, um, on those skills. So the standardized test is meaningless because these teachers obviously need to have the skills to be able to do this. They need to have the skills to, to be able to, um, to assess properly. Um, they need to have the tools to recognize passions, recognize um, their talents, so, you know, where they excel at and promote that. And anything that's more of the weekend, they can still promote that with help. But you want to guide the student to their interest and their, their passion and their reason for going, what gets them up to go to school and be happy and, and have, uh, you know, enjoy it. And what, what I'm finding as far as uh, other programs that you were mentioning, just, you know, you have a certain time period for real basic learning of reading, writing and math and science. Um, I mean, I find you know, there's a lot of people that are going to homeschooling, uh, especially during COVID. And now they're staying homeschool because there's so many more options for them to do. Like they experience so many different things. They, they, they have, they're forming a community really. And they are, um, you know, whether they go to, to 
events that teach you how to do whatever, you know, it, I find that what school needs to start doing now is, is not shoving Shakespeare down the throat, but introducing Shakespeare, not, you know what I mean? Like you got to introduce the sciences. You have to introduce all this stuff, but if the child's not interested, what's that going to mean for them? I mean, they're just going to tune it out and try to pass. And that's that. Like if you can change it so that they're interested in the topic, you can relate that to whether it's reading or writing, math, science, whatever. Um, you know, the teacher needs to have the skill to be able to do that, obviously, but it's with any kind of learning, you can make it hands-on and you can make it interesting for the student. It doesn't have to be dry and this is what you need to do and do it, you know. So essentially what you're saying is the teachers need to be trained to make the subject more interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They need um, to come up or, well, and I, I think what in this kind of a system, uh, what it does is frees them up so that they can create more meaningful le- uh, learning programs. And and I mean, I at the beginning that, of yes. the year, the empowerment needs to be with the teacher and the students. So at the beginning of the year, the students and the teacher would create a curriculum for the year. You know, let's decide what we're interested right. in as a class, as a whole, and then we can branch out like that. Uh, having said that, I do know of many teachers, uh, of many students who who learn uh, beautifully because they like the teacher a lot. So, uh, but it's not possible for every student to like every teacher. Correct. It also right. is about how, how much the student uh, likes the subject, how much uh, he is given exposure to. When you talk yes. about Shakespeare, it is something that needs to be done because it's there in the curriculum because. But if it's done in the role play uh, or dramatization, then it becomes more interesting. Right. Yeah. And the more they reinvent the solution, reinvent problems, it, it just, it, even if it's not necessarily interesting at the beginning, when you start getting the student involved in doing the solutions and, and interacting and hands-on learning, they might learn to love it. Um, but, you know, you got to expose them to it first. You just don't shove it down the throat and force them to learn it if they're, if they're not interested, then what's the point? They're not going to retain anything. They're just going to. Um, uh, some some might put forward an argument that um, maybe that is expecting the teachers to be more of entertainers than uh, actual facilitators. How would you explain that? I could see that for sure. And I would say what's wrong with that? But, um, you know, like they're children and you're you're sending them to school to prepare them for the real world. And what kind of real world do you want? I guess is the question. Um, do you want an authoritative, stingent kind of, this is the way it is. You have to do it this way and, and go with it and suck it up. Um, I'm not saying that you become lax and it's just a free for all and, and it's chaos or, or anarchy or whatever. It's, it's more of a, it, we got to look at education differently. We got to look at it in a way that, um, is not your this class, this class, this class, this class, go home and do homework, whatever. It, it's got to be more open. I, and I, you know, obviously this would be even further down the road. I mean, I have no, I'm not naive on how long this will take. This is a generation process. And beyond that, I see that schools will just become a place to learn and you go there to learn. It's a facility to learn and 
you learn at your pace because by then you change the philosophy of school so that you have these life skills so that when they're in the system, you have a generation that, that has those life skills. So it just becomes part of the philosophy. It's great ingrained, fused into the system, so to speak. It's, it just becomes a part of it. So, because now we have the systems like it is. So you're going to have counter people. You're going to have people saying, pushing against anything that changes because it's different. It's, it's unknown. And we're, we like consistently and we like it, you know, we like to, to continue on down the road, like the way we're going. But unfortunately we don't have the time now. Like we, there is, um, the, the last great uh, employment sector is the service sector. And unfortunately that is dying off and it's dying off faster than we think. And we realize because, you know, if you go to a fast food restaurant now, you have four kiosks, you have a cashier and you have your app you can order on. So the interaction with, with somebody is just being limited. Um, and Pretty soon, it's going to be mechanized everywhere when it comes to the service industry. What is there to replace it? And so we need to have students coming out of that because these type of jobs are like, they're like factory jobs almost. You know, it's, you, you, you have a set skill to interact with customers and that's what you do. It's, it's kind of, it's mundane, it's repetitive. Um, but when you get technology to, re, to remove that, um, which is the whole point of technology is to, eliminate work for humans so that they can have time to better themselves. So that's coming and there's going to be jobs in the future that don't even exist yet. We need to prepare them for that. And the current education that we have now is not going to do that for them. They're just, they're just going to graduate and have no ambition to the majority of students are going to have no ambition to, to, to work because Okay, when you talk about the real world, uh, the real world is very competitive. It, it's it, if you keep, uh, you know, allowing the student uh, his or her own pace to learn, if you kind of give them a leeway to understand at their own pace, don't you think we are trying to kill competition? And competition is good. Um, I disagree. Uh, competition serves its purpose. Competition is good for competing against yourself to better yourself. But um, competition, it's been proven time and time again that cooperation is is more, much more productive than competition. Because um, when you're competing, your goal is to, I guess... Uh, your focus is on competing with somebody else and, yeah, and do better. Sorry. And do better than uh, what the other person is doing. Yeah. Do better than the other person. And it, it creates that atmosphere of, I, I don't want to say cheating or anything, but it just, you try to find ways to, Easy to um, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it has a negative connotation to it and cooperation um, I mean, if you put everybody together to build the best phone that's, you know, cell phone that's possible, you know, it, competition is needed in capitalism. It, it's, you know, 
And I don't want to talk about any kind of isms out there because, you know, I mean, we get focused on communism, Marxism, capitalism, socialism, whatever. You know, that's kind of a nonsense. It's, it, we got to look at it differently and just say, what do we need to do for a better society? And um, when you create a system where you have thinkers and you have life learners, you have people graduating that, that want to continue learning um, and they have the life skills to do that, then the sky's the limit and universities almost become irrelevant. You can turn them into specialized places because, because if you have, if you're a life learner, you're going to go into a job, you're going to learn what you need to do because that's okay. what you do. It's kind of a tricky situation. Sorry? It's kind of a tricky situation, isn't it? It is. A tricky it situation is. where uh, you, know, you need to be that much competitive. You still need to have that much of, uh, you know, space for you to move in. So what uh, do you do at Life Learners? Um, is it an academy, Life Learners Institute? Um, we, so Life Learners is just basically uh, more of a advocate for change for redesigning the education. So it's, it's not, we don't want to do a, uh, you know, a school as an example, because there's lots of them out there. You know, there's lots of schools out there that, that have this type of learning, um, but it, you know, you got to pay like $30,000 to go every year. So it's catered to those who have money, which is fine, but I mean, still it has that, that us versus them kind of thing. And um, we want, every student had that opportunity. And when you do that, when you change education so that you create an atmosphere where students have hope and an opportunity and they're life learners, life skills, then who knows what kind of future they're gonna to inspire to? Who knows what inventions they'll come up with? Who knows what different ways of doing things they'll come up with? It, it kind of changes the rules and you suddenly, the competition part of it um, almost gets, when you, when you have, when you're graduating a mass population with community-minded, you know, uh, they have community-minded, um, it, I'm losing my thought there for a second, sorry. Um, that's okay. Yeah, so, so what I was saying is, is, what's that, sorry? Is, does it a, is it a course that you're running? Is it a two-month no, no, course? Sorry. Um, Right. So basically what it is, is um, Life Learners is a group that is, that wants to get industry on board because industry is crying out for these type of uh, employees. They're crying, they they need these type of people and they're struggling to find it. And so we, we want to get them on board so that when we go to the powers to be like government or whatever, um, whoever, the decision makers, um, we want to have the backing of industry because everybody, you know, that's what we, that's what government caters to is the industry. So we want, um, we want to have their backing so that we can go to the government and say, Hey, this is what we need. So let's do it. And let's come up with a plan to do this. And so I'm not here to build curriculums. I'm here to say, this is what we, these are the type of skills that industry is crying out for. We need to implement this into the schools and it needs to be done in a way that we, build communities as opposed to divisiveness. And we see that the, the world is divided big time and we need to uh, we need to change that philosophy so that it's more of a community living. Things will get done. Um, you can start, you know, the GDP becomes less irrelevant and it's more 
are we happy as a society? You know, are we, do we live a life of joy or do we live a life of surviving? And unfortunately in the world today, we have enough of everything to provide for us, but we still have that scarcity uh, philosophy mindset and we can't get around that. So it's just constantly competing against each other and problems, the more problems there are, the more money to be made. And we want to change that, flip that over and um, avoid the problems altogether so that we can have a better society and we can prosper. Because technology is, is, you know, with artificial intelligence and 3D printing, they're going to be game changers. And, you know, pretty soon it's going to be probably 75% of the jobs out there will be irrelevant and won't exist because it'll be done by mechanization. And what are we going to do? It's coming faster than we think. Yeah. Wouldn't you see that is happening every 50 years, every 75 years? For example, after the Industrial Revolution, we had so many uh, jobs which were, uh, you know, based on assembly lines or based on typing or these things. Now these are redundant because of the technologies that have come in. Wouldn't you say that if the industry, if it's catering to the industry today, that is going to be redundant in the next 20, 25 years? It is. And... You're right. I mean, we've been kind of ever since um, this this type of uh, education came into to uh, into well, I guess to North America. I mean, it started in to be very to make it to be very broad um, to just keep it simple. Um, Two hundred years ago, like eighteen oh six, Napoleon and the Franks they they defeated Prussia and. They, they signed a treaty and in the treaty, they lost, you know, a lot of their money and Prussia lost a lot of their money, land. And they also were limited to 42,000 military personnel, standing military. They couldn't have any more than that. So that happened. And so what they, a, a gentleman came along, I can't think of his last name. It's like Fitch, I think. Um, anyways, he, he came in with a philosophy of, well, let's provide education for everybody, for all citizens, um, children. And let's standardize it. So they learn the basic skills. And when they graduate, they'll have these skills. It'll be under like it's it's authoritative model. So they're they're disciplined and when they, they follow orders. And and it was built. Basically, that was the first reserve army in the world. That's what they created. So that was their workaround. It was creating an army, but not calling them an army. So a generation later. It was, uh, I think, 1815, another battle, and they defeated Napoleon and uh, the Franks, and they prospered for a while in Germany and whatever grew from it. So the Western world got wind of it. They seen the opportunity. They were like, wow, how'd this happen? So, you know, people like uh, Rockefeller, um, people like Carnegie, they pumped a lot of money into this type of system because excuse me, uh, they, they pumped a lot of money into the system, like more so than the government, because they saw the opportunity. They saw that um, they saw that the potential was there for factory workers. So as I was saying, um, you know, North America took hold of it and they, they saw the opportunity to have, you know, this is factory workers. This is the, you know, this is the industrial revolution going on. This is what we need. So let's promote it. And it was a good thing. You know, it, it, 
started the whole, you know, industrial revolution and the, the factories and blew that up. Um, and, but we held on to that. We never really changed it. We, we've had some reforms in education. It's better than it was, but it's always done in a bubble. It's always done in a vacuum. And the world's changing now. So you had your auto automation disappear. You had your agriculture disappear. Now it's the service sector disappearing. What's left? Um, I, I don't see what's left for mass employment. All I see is specialty jobs, skilled jobs, and mechanization making our life better. So we need to embrace that and and look at society as a ways to better ourselves as opposed to financially, you know, being secure and trying to survive. More know, empathy. With, More empathy also and giving back to the community. That is the yeah, aspect that more empathy is, is exactly. And we, we kind of need that because, you know, we're very divided these days and it's, you know, it's difficult to get away from that because we're very polarized in our philosophy and, and we don't have those skills. We don't have those life skills. The, the mass of people don't have those skills. And as soon as you start teaching the mass of people with those skills, just community living and relationship building. I mean, alone creates compassion and and uh, community living. It's, you know, it's there, there's a reason why the saying it takes a it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, that exists because that's the way it was and that's what was successful. And we need to kind of get back to that with technology. Now that we have technology to to uh, you know eliminate our mundane, repetitive work, we could focus mm -hmm. on doing stuff. Of value to okay. ourselves and each other. Right, Gavin. Tell me, how do you seek support in your uh, ambition so to design? We are basically uh, right now. I I just finishing up the completing the board of directors, um, and I I focused on getting uh, people from various industries and um, who have various backgrounds who are leaders, and so they they're the ones who have the the, the networking connections. And so anyways, we're, we're trying to build a networking so that um, we're looking for what we're looking for from industry to get this moving along is funding or just support, you know, just to acknowledge us or resources uh, to provide. And that's what we're looking for for industry. So and then with that, with that, um, with those resources, we can focus on uh, getting this out to the general public just to understand have them understand the potential of what we can do and almost ask them questions so that they answer the question themselves. And because most people who you talk to would agree to this type of, you know, philosophy and this type of uh, result, you know, um, it's, uh, which is one thing that does amaze me is that when I do interact with people, um, usually they're nodding their heads and yes, we need to do something like this. Let's do this kind of thing. So mm -hmm. there's definitely, pushback there will be tons of pushback because we're in that mindset of of the society we're living in now the real world that we're in now it's hard to get out free of that because we're in it and we need to survive we need to make money so it's hard to say we need to upend it and completely change it it's difficult but it it needs to be done yeah so far you've received um uh support have you received positive responses 
Yes. I mean, it's as far as uh, funding, I haven't really promoted it yet that way. So, um, but the support is there for sure. Um, it's, it's, it's out there and, and it's just going to grow, keep growing. So we shall Do see. Do you have happens, any success stories? No, not, not yet. No, Do you have no, any no success stories yet. So, well, in, in Canada, it's, um, what we're going to, what, how we're going to assess it is once we get the message out there, things get moving along. Um, it really depends on what province is more susceptible to this kind of change. So, and that's where we'll focus because we're in Canada where it's all individual provinces. Um, we have that opportunity to kind of have, you know, um, my focus is in New Brunswick where I am, my province, but, um, you know, anywhere that, that they want to implement this type of a system or, or even just a trial run on whatever is, um, we're open to it. It, it, we just want to, we need to make this change and okay. yeah. Gavin, I have a rapid fire round for you. Are you game? Sure. Absolutely. I'm just going to give you, uh, you know, a couple of choices and you just quickly say this yeah. or this, right? Absolutely. That's All good. right. First one, learning by doing or learning by research? Doing. Okay. Traditional education, immersive education. Sorry? Traditional education or immersive? I think that's a no-brainer. Immersive, yes. Okay. Technology or books? Technology. Wonderful. Parents or teachers as the best role models? Teachers. Wonderful. Interesting. And the last one, now you should be changing or we need to have a slow systematic evolution. We need to change it now. I wish we could have a slow process. Just like that. I don't see, I don't, I don't see it any other way. I don't see it putting it as increments. I see it has to be, you have to do it because when you do it in a bubble, it, uh, other things are affected. People I mean, okay, so to use an example, and my apologies, I know this was a, a rapid fire, but to use an example, um, recently, like uh, about what it was, 20 years ago, uh, I, I graduated, but um, there was a change, there was a reform in our school, and so grade one and two, I failed grade one and two, they kept me back, that's back in the day where they actually kept students back, because I had a learning disability, and uh, dyslexic, and, you know, that had a profound effect on me because I was always two years older than my peers and that in that kind of environment, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good one, but anyways. Um, so they changed that, which was rightly so. Don't keep kids back because it has a psychological effect on them. Um, but they also changed, they changed that, but they also changed um, the participation medal, you know, like giving gold stars for, for just right, learning and right. stuff like that, kind of like incentives or whatever, I guess. Um, Good and what that did was you had these kids suddenly a generation later graduating and getting out of the work field and suddenly they need a pat on their back. They need to be told what to do. They need to be, there's no, there's no uh, ambition. Kind of yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, you almost have to be told what to do and, and they need that recognition constantly to keep going. 
so to speak. And, yes. and that was kind of a, a negative effect of the reform of changing it so that we kind of include everybody and which is rightly so, but it was just done in an environment that, that nothing else was changed. It was just that philosophy changed and that was it. So <laughs> it didn't work out, but we still do it. I mean, it's, and I think yeah. that it kind of created this idea. It created the, the whole woke movement, which has its benefit, but it's very negative as well, because it's almost like that minority has become individual. So everybody needs to be, you know, it, as opposed, it, it became, I'm entitled to this, as opposed to what it should be is I belong. And not, you know, like you need to look at me like this and that's that. It's just, I belong. I feel like I belong. And that's what we need to focus on, but we don't. We, unfortunately, this type of a system that we have just kind of, it, it the education that we have basically gave us the woke movement, which is just, I mean, I don't know about like here, I mean, North America, it's just US, Canada, it's, it's everywhere. And it has, it's, it's for good reason, good intentions, I guess. You know, it's nothing negative that way, but it's it's just uh, it's putting the focus on something that we shouldn't really be focusing on. We should be accepting people, and that's that. You know what I mean? Like, it, you just you got to learn to accept people, as opposed to I need to. What this did is it. They're now teaching in schools, they're showing videos of, like to elementary students, of transgender community, like oh. uh, interact, how to interact. And which is, is fine, but when you're putting it into a type of school, you see like a child, they, they're gonna be confused no matter what. They're gonna, it's a time where they're finding out themselves. They're trying to discover themselves. and when you inundate them with all of this LGBTQ, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just mm -hmm. when you when you have it everywhere, they start questioning themselves like, am I this, am I that? Where if they weren't introduced to it, there wouldn't be a question. Do you understand what I mean? Like it, so yes, it's, yes. and that's kind of the uh, negative effect of one-on-one of -on -one well, teaching to so to speak. I get what you say. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that, Gavin. Um, I think uh, what you're trying to do is uh, amazing. Uh, it is a difficult task. Uh, it's a thin line. Uh, there is a balance that needs to be maintained. But uh, you're on the right path. And all the best to you. No, and I just one final note. Like what I see is a system um, before it's. I don't know if you've ever heard of a term called implementation science. It's basically the okay. in, in, yeah, implementation science. It's it's a it's a way to assess like what they use it in healthcare a lot, but it's um, you can use it in education, healthcare, or whatever. Um, and it's a way to it's like deep assessment. So you get everybody involved, all the players, teachers, students, but it's a representative from each, and you come together, and it's a whole long process where you assess deep, deep, deep. And you find out what the problems are and then the solutions. So we need to have that type of implementation on proving this is what's going on. This is what needs to be changed. And then once you create a system that we're promoting, 
you use that assessment constantly. It just becomes part of the system so that you're always assessing and making sure you're doing what you want to do is happening. So it's, it's not just every four years a new government comes in, let's change this, let's change that. It's we're monitoring this consistently so that we keep focus on what we want to do. But yeah. No, I, Keeping long-term goals focused. Yeah. Right. Yes, wonderful. So um, yeah, like Albert Einstein said, education is what remains after one has forgotten what has learned in school. That's um, true. And I, that's the one thing that I've seen that, uh, you know, what is the one thing we can do that would change society? That's the only thing I can think of, education. You can't change government, can't change capital, you Absolutely. know, like monetary system because we're adults and to teach adults old tricks or new tricks, it's it's just <laughs> not possible. You just can't do that, right? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. So let's get them at the beginning. Yeah. Wonderful. Good luck, Gavin. Best wishes to you. And goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. See you on our next episode, meeting yet another exemplary human here on Chizuba Talks. Till then, stay happy, stay kind.